When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Winning crunch time. That's our commitment. We'll, we'll go in going into this with 18 clubs and we'll come out with 18 clubs. Um, that's that's our commitment over the next four, six, eight, ten months, whatever whatever it looks like, um, that we will have the same structure at the elite level. The AFL has taken central control of the clubs as the question of survival is posed in a way not considered since the 80s. Will all 18 clubs make it? And in what shape? simple as this mate, if you don't have members you don't have a club uh, a, a club that has no members is a memory, so we need our members to stick with us as much as we can, if our supporters or anyone gets into financial hardship speak to us, we are there together because the members are the club If a yeah. member comes to you now and says I've lost both my jobs, I need my money back, you would say We are in it together, okay? but what we don't want to do is have a run on clubs because the membership is keeping us alive at the moment. What I'm saying to you though, Tony, is this is more than just a transaction. This is people who love their club and it means more to them. How have clubs handled the relationship and the money of their members? Will these days of dependency change the modern interaction between the fan and the game? This is crunch time for Identifiber, specialising in asbestos, mould, air quality and environmental services. It's the first crunch time of April, in Melbourne at least. It's really been the first hint of winter. It feels a bit like footy weather, it's just that there's no footy to go with it and so it has the aspect of being just a little dreary in what shapes as the winter of our discontents. There's so much to discuss on a footy front, the current issues that are before us, and then we can let the mind wander a little. Ricky Nixon is back in vogue with the Herald Sun Sacked podcast. In an hour, we might recast the modern Club 10, the great marketing innovation of its day. What would it look like now if we were to put together Club 10 from the modern player group? Crunch time. Jared Waitley with you. Kane Corns is with me. Hello, Kane. Hello, Jared. Good to be back again. And there is still plenty of news around. And looking forward to getting um, our audience to have their say on on the topics that we throw out there, which is always good. And the thing I love most about our station. So we'll do that throughout the morning. And Brett Rosebury also. 418 games he has umpired, getting towards the age of 40 if he hasn't ticked over that yet. How's he holding up in these times? Because there's been a lot of thought about the players, but not so much about the umpires. So we'll check in with him as well, which I'm looking forward to. 
what becomes of an ump when there's no whistle to blow? It's a question right across the industry in all sorts of different forms. The umps have taken their pay cut. They have umpired in an empty stadium. What does the future look like? We will delve there. Sam Edmonds in place. Sam, it feels a bit like we're living through the days of Gary Linnell's Football Limited a few decades on. No doubt about it, Jared. Very, very interesting times. Good morning or good afternoon to you. Good afternoon to you, Kane. Hope you had a pleasant uh, morning, gents. Yeah, very. This is a fork in the road. This is this is the ultimate wake-up call. This period. Uh, I mean, they're almost these profits that you see clubs make every year and trumpet. I don't want to be too strong on it, Jared, but many of them they're a fake empire, aren't they? And we're learning who can weather this financial storm and who can't. And there's precious few that can. So. We're on borrowed time, I think. What happens? I'm looking forward to thrashing out with you gents this afternoon because I don't think we can continue like we are. So with the football economy in vogue like rarely before, Liam Pickering knows the the industry inside out. Pickers, welcome to Crunch Time. Uh, good to be here, Jared. It's uh, and the other boys. It's uh, yeah, it's a it's strange time, but we're all working through it at the moment. Do you think the unity that the industry was searching for and that it held for a little while fractured a bit this week, Pickers? Well, I was a bit surprised by some of the uh, the internal fighting, if you like. But overall, I think we're, we're from a club and, and players' perspective and AFL perspective, I think they are, everyone's on the same uh, page. But there seems to be a bit of bickering going on, you know, by certain parts of uh, you know off off field, if you like. Do you think all eighteen clubs in their current form will make it long term? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yep, I do. I take Guilford at his word that I think. Yeah, I understand that the uh, you know Caroline's got her own view on on North Melbourne, and I haven't got that view. I must say uh, they've done the hard yards, so I think that they will continue. And you know, I think we, yeah, it's been a bit of a drain. I sort of get, you know, the new clubs and and the money that they've poured in over the years, but they're not going to pour all that money in and then just walk away from it. So in my view, that the not the two newer clubs, if you like, the Giants and and the Suns will stay, uh, and I think the Melbourne teams will, as it sits right now, will last the ten teams. So I'm in that camp as well. Where, where are you, Kane, in the overall scheme of things? My view remains is the AFL has the capacity to keep all its clubs as it chooses to, and the centralised funds is it may very well open the gap between the haves and the have-nots even further than it has been in the past. But I am a believer that the AFL will hold its 18 clubs together, not only to get through the other side of this to when football resumes, but for the medium term. I I'm, I'm share that view. I spoke about this with, with Jack Heverin on Thursday night's edition of the Match Committee. I Look, if Gillan McLaughlin says that, and he says it really confidently, and from the people that I've spoken to at the AFL, he's doing an unbelievable job. You know, they, they, they couldn't rave about him anymore with the job that he's doing and, and the best person to be in charge at the moment. So I honestly believe with you, Jared, that all 18 will come back, but it's not going to stop the talk. Like, there's a lot of people that share the view in the media that Melbourne and Victoria can't sustain 10 teams. Now, if that's the case, there'll be some digging around. The next club up, I'm, I'm predicting, will be St Kilda and their finances will be dragged through it a bit and, and whether they can survive. So whilst there's no footy on, there will be a lot of talk about clubs surviving and we'll go from North Melbourne this week. We've had Gold Coast and we'll quickly move on to the likes of St Kilda and Melbourne and some others. So the talk will continue, I think, until we can get back and prove that the game can financially sustain 10 clubs in, in Victoria. Sam, do you think we've learnt that the, the football economy was far more fraught than might have been imagined? 
Oh, 100%. And I want to be a hindsight hero about it, Jared. And I know this is a freak occurrence, as we know, unprecedented, unforeseen, completely unpredictable. But I think we've learnt the model isn't sound, is it? I mean, there's how can 14 of the 18 clubs not be commercially viable? I mean, there's little independence financially. It's imbalanced. They rely on broadcast revenue, AFL prop-ups. I just think... It's 18 in, 18 out for now. Gil did say that, but he did tell you, Jared, over the medium to long-term, especially long-term, he wouldn't buy into hypotheticals. I mean, I, I don't want to be looking for the fine print or for things that aren't there, and I don't profess to have the answer either. And I would argue Gold Coast and GWS are absolutely here to stay. That's virtually guaranteed, given their geographical location and their importance to the competition. I don't know if it's relocation or it's folding and the turmoil around that would be immense. But what if we get another financial crisis or the broadcast revenue slows, as has been speculated, when it expires in 2022? I mean, do we need to even look at private ownership, Jared? Um, I know that's been a slippery slope in the past, but you look at the WA clubs, they are run, albeit by the WA Football Commission, but they are privately owned and extremely profitable. Is that an avenue we need to reconsider? So the football economy, Pickers, is going to be dramatically reshaped, is it not, for however it looks once we get the other side of it? Yeah, I think it will be. Uh, I think, yeah, no one saw this coming, obviously, and yeah, we kept hearing about this uh, future fund money and this pool of cash which we realise now it just isn't there to be able to sustain the, the industry while it's in this situation. So, yeah, I, I do think that there'll be a reset. There's no question. I, I think there'll be uh, – the reset will be felt across playing and club and club level. So I said on the Oval Office the other night, I, I think we'll be talking somewhere in the vicinity of $5 million a club to be shared. This is my view. It's not, not, a, not highly educated, but it is – of some knowledge that 3 million comes out of the soft cap and, and, and potentially 2 million out of the salary cap. So that would give you 5 million of clubs. That's a $90 million per annum saving for start. That's without renegotiating what the TV deal looks like. I, I do think it, it will come around pretty quickly. Once we get, once the games are allowed to go ahead and the crowds are back, I think we'll, we will get bumper crowds. I've got no question about that. The TV ratings will be off the charts. So the broadcasters will be happy going forward. But there, there is a period now of, it could be up to five years, where there's going to be a hit. Do you think, has there been a largesse around the way the competition has grown in, in recent times? Yeah, can you just go into that a little bit more? What, what do you mean exactly, Jared? So has it has it grown beyond what its means were? Oh, I think that's what's that's come out of this pretty clearly, in my view, is that we kept going on a, on a scale that was going up and not expecting a trough at all, and we've got one now. Uh, and it, it's not only that, it's it's a plummet. So it's a reset for sure. There's no question about that. And as I said, and how long this reset, and, and they'll have to redo the whole thing, because uh, there's been a lot of money that's been tipped into the new clubs, which we talked about. We know that. And there's been a lot of club, a lot of money tipped into the AFLW, which is not going anywhere either, by the way. That's That'll definitely be going ahead. So... Yeah, there is money that's being spent thinking that it was continuing to come in, and it just it just hasn't. It stopped. It's the tap's been turned off, and that's what we're dealing with. So that that arms race, Kane, that that we have experienced across ten years, and there were some measures that were put in place to try to curtail that. Um, hmm. it, it it does look like it has delivered us to this point. Yes, and 
I just wonder what the restrictions will have to be. Like, is it no longer a soft cap where you can spend above the nine million, but anything you spend above goes, you know, you pay a tax on. Oh, that's like coming back, Kane. Do American sport, and I think it has to pickers yeah, because yeah, otherwise, what Jared, what Jared's saying is that the the Collingwoods and Hawthorns and West Coast, whatever the club are, you know, we're reading about four that are financially um, viable without the AFL can go over and above and still get a massive advantage. So the AFL's got to put a hard line in that if it's $5 million, it's $5 million for everyone, regardless of how financially stable you are. And, I mean, that's why clubs like... I haven't been critical of Port Adelaide going to China because how can you compete with the haves if you're a have-not? Yeah. Well, the only way you can is to explore and be innovative and go overseas and do some things. Now, is it going to work? I don't know. But you can't be critical of them having a crack, trying to get mm. some sponsorship dollars in, and that's what clubs are going to have to do. They're but going to have I to think, think left field and I think go about just, it differently. Just on that, Kane and boys, I, I think we've already seen that it's a hard line as it is. The club have said it's twenty five thousand a week for your footy department. You spend it how you want, but you're not getting. Yeah. There's not one more cent being spent. So if you want to go and have your senior coach employed and your head of fitness and your head of footy, and you want to use your twenty five that way, and the and the rest of the the staff unfortunately are in the situation they're in, uh, or if you want to go and have two assistant coaches, two of your thing, you just need to spread that money out. And the, the, the AFL have been pretty hard on, and they've been well supported by the clubs. So the Habs haven't got the advantage at the moment and they won't have going forward because that mm. number will be the number. Mm. And I think if you go over it, you're, you're facing significant fines. The, the the strings attached, Sam, is reading um, Jeff Kennett's been true to his word as he would have been one in the past you would have expected to rail against any centralised system. And uh, he's with John Ralph today saying that this is this is the new era. We have to open our books to the AFL. Is that the strings attached here are, are very significant around the, the loaning of money. There's some big strings depending on what jumper you wear, though, Jared. If Caroline Wilson's report's 100% accurate, the strings are very long for St Kilda, but they might be very short for a club like West Coast who might even have special dispensation to not have to open up the books regularly to AFL House. But this is the way it has to be. This is the situation we're in. And, and Jeff has been right from the start talking about togetherness and we've got to work together and there's no games at play here. I mean, nor should some of these poorer clubs who are, are saying that the gap's going to increase between the rich and the poor. Well, that's just the situation we're in. I mean, you can't borrow money off your parents and then expect to tell them, you know, how you want to spend it. I mean, the the loan is in place. You spend what you can spend and we try to get through it all together, Jared. And this is a situation that we're in, albeit it is going to magnify the situation for, for the poorer clubs. There's no doubt about that. But what what's the alternative? The, the question will be, I think, Kane, is will survival come at the cost of competitiveness. So there'll be a moment where it all reflects back on the field and if we do fracture and become the Premier League where only the the wealthy and well-established come through this in a way that they compete on the field is that hasn't been... Like there's been a lot of steps taken to try to avoid that. I think that equation down the track will be significant. Survival versus competitiveness and did you have to trade one to get the other? Well, if... If there's a salary cap, though, Jared, there, there's a draft which will be in place. There is a hard cap on spending, um, yeah. and the AFL is responsible for 14 of the clubs financially. Mm. How does doesn't doesn't that make it an even even playing field? Like that, that does that that make it a lot harder for clubs to separate from the rest? Like you're speaking of, like yeah, well, in, the, in the EPL. Just on that, it's interesting with the AFL because they 
they have got a situation where uh, where they actually can make the books get opened. Open your books, open your books, mm. and they can do it. They do it with all of them, and, and it's very well policed. The AFL situation at the moment, like Ken Wood and his team, I don't know how they have the time to do it all, but their investigations team look at everything, everything from player that they look at player managers, they look at players direct, they interview, they do audits, they do it on clubs. Uh, they, they've got a big team that looks into all this sort of stuff. So if you're flaunting the rules, you will get exposed, like Carlton did many years ago with the salary cap, and not only Carlton, by the way, other clubs, and. They will come down like a ton of bricks on on clubs and teams that that aren't doing, you know, and sticking to what everyone else is doing. Jared, where you will and because where you will get an advantage is from the experienced administrators that have been around for a long time and they know how to spend that money. So so yes, we'll all get the same money, but how you spend it is up to you. So yeah, so what's vital in a footy department? I mean, I'm trusting Neil Balm to tell me what he thinks is vital in a footy department over. Um, you know, a young footy boss, you know, a, a name escapes me at the moment, but a, a young, more inexperienced footy boss that hasn't been around the block like Barmy has. So, so, so where's the money spent? You're a senior coach, you've got a high performance. What assistant coaches are you going to have? What investment do you have in medical? What investment do you have in player welfare? This is where the advantage is going to happen. And that's where you might get the haves and the have-nots with the experience, experienced coaches, experienced footy bosses, experienced playing group, which will separate from the inexperience. You know, look at look at a Carlton, for example, re- relatively inexperienced CEO, inexperienced senior coach, uh, inexper- relatively inexperienced Brad Lloyd in a new role as, as footy boss. Will Richmond separate from Carlton because just the the uh, employees that they've got running the show? Yeah, it's and we'll the, open this. We'll we'll open our calls uh, lines on this shortly on Crunch Time, and we'll continue to explore it. I just wanted to have a chat with Brett Rosebury this morning. The umpires have done their bits, uh, so we will just uh, continue our conversation on that front shortly. Brett, welcome to Crunch Time. Hi, Jared. Thanks for having me. Our most experienced umpire of the day. It's the existential question we're posing to everyone. What becomes of an umpire who can't blow the whistle? Yeah, well, it's uh, obviously we're no different to the whole of the society and the football world that impacted us um, and impacted some umpires more than others. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, definitely a different world we're living in at the moment. What have you? So what have you stopped doing that uh, would ordinarily be, be part of your umpiring week? Yeah, so there's obviously no group training and uh, group coaching sessions, but we've still got access to all the online coaching material and and vision and videos that we can watch um, and just doing your own remote training, um, trying to improvise where you can. So you you get to stay sharp? Oh, I think think it's probably important to have a little bit of a downtime. It's obviously mentally challenging to stay up. Uh, we just got through pre-season, got through round one, and, and then uh, ultimately to be turned off. Um, so I think it's unrealistic for expecting all the umpires to stay mentally sharp all this time. Um, but we know that when the game games resume, um, we'll, be, we'll be there ready to umpire and uh, ready to go. Brett, you have just turned 40 years of age. You've umpired 418 games. I reckon it's your 20th year in, in the competition, or, or maybe 19th. Will a layoff do you good, or will it be detrimental to you? And, and how long can you keep going for? Yeah, I'm not sure. I sort of felt like I had a really good pre-season, and um, I was ready for round one. So uh, I guess 
yeah, the shorter season and the shorter quarters, I think, will definitely help a few of us older guys. Um, not sure. I think I'll keep umpiring for as long as I love it. Uh, still enjoy it. Still enjoy the challenge. Um, but as you know, once the body gives in, uh, that might be the first thing to go. Uh, Brett. Sam Edmund here. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Obviously, there was a bit of a haggle over the uh, players doing their bit when it came time to the financial sacrifice that they were willing to make. But it emerged yesterday that you guys and girls as a collective uh, quietly accepted the 50% cut until the end of of May. And it's the exact same arrangement as the players, 70% if the season shutdown continues beyond then. Yeah, there was a week-long discussion between uh, the Umpire Association and um, and ultimately, Rob Kerr, the new CEO, we had to bring him in a couple of weeks earlier. And with Grant Williams and, and Steve Hocking, we were able to agree on some new terms for the remainder of this year. And, um, I mean, we appreciate that it's a difficult time out there for everyone, but we still feel that the umpires have got an important role to play once the games get back up and running. Brett, the, most of the umpires, I assume, are working as well. So in your situation... You know, if you're not you're not doing your umpiring, but which I, I know is a job, but I assume you're you're doing something else. There's not too many full time umpires, as far as I'm aware. Uh, have you been able to at least keep you know? Obviously, you've got to keep your fitness up in some capacity as an umpire and your decision making and rules and all that sort of stuff. But the reality is, have you got another job that you can do? Or is there something you can do? You know, to keep yourself uh, to keep yourself busy, I guess. Yeah, I guess we've got a mix. Between the boundaries and the goal umpires, yes, all of those would have other jobs um, or be uni students. In the field umpiring group, um, there's a, you know, we've really converted and transitioned our outside careers to really suit and commit to the AFL. So we've got umpires that really only work 0.2 because of Monday, oh, Tuesday footy, Thursday night footy, a lot of travel. Yeah. Um, balancing all that kind of stuff. We have got some full-time umpires that choose not to work, and so this is their primary income. Um, and we've got umpires that ultimately have lost two jobs in a week and a day. So, you know, it is a big impact, just like the community, for our umpires. So we're just trying to build a lot of support and welfare systems around that through the association, and it's um, great that the AFL has also provided some support to our members. Hey, Brett, how many grand finals on the resume now? Is it is it Eight? Uh, it is eight. There was a lucky draw in there, so yeah. <laughs> you got the extra one. And you're generally given the new ball, aren't you? You're, you're normally the man entrusted with the opening bounce, I think, in most of those grand finals. Tell us, I don't know how regularly you work on the craft, but this is a one of the untold stories of uh, uh, field umpires, just the anxiety that can build up with some of them when it comes to the, the difficulty of bouncing the ball. And it's a, a confidence skill like anything else that we uh, witness with our players. How much work do you put into that? And tell us about the mental responsibility you take on when it comes to, say, the opening bounce of a grand final. Yeah, there's obviously a lot of pressure on umpires to execute everything well. Um, the bounce, some guys find it super easy and some guys find it a little bit more challenging, just like uh, putting on the golf green, I sort of align it to. But um, sometimes you, you're seeing them well and hitting them well and other days you, you're not sure when the next straight one's going to come. So, you know, we work super hard on all the aspects of our umpiring and at the moment people might see me down at uh, the park bouncing the ball up by myself, which might look a little bit weird, but uh, it's something that we're still ticking over and trying to keep the uh, the skill fully executed how did you find umpiring at the empty mcg 
Yeah, it was was a different. I think I mean the 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 I umpired Hawthorne and, and Brisbane. Um, you could really sense the players. It was a different intensity. There was a lot more trash talking and uh, friendly ban a friendly banter between the players. Now that does usually occur, but I guess the crowd generally would drown a lot of that that banter out. And the players, I think, were trying to create their own energy and atmosphere out there. So. Uh, there was a lot more trash talking than uh, normal. Hey, let's let's be fair, Brett. Come on, you, you didn't get any grief from the fans. It couldn't have been any easier for the umpires. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was uh, was a different uh, headspace to be umpiring in. Um, still, though, it was about the concentration. I mean, it was quite easy to to just sort of drift off with with no atmosphere and energy. But between the the three of us, we're all mic'd up, and we just tried to keep each other engaged and concentrate in small little blocks and and the players I think were pretty engaged also keeping you pretty switched on was that's probably going to be the reality when the game resumes that that it will be like that is do you think it, it's something that you'll get used to or do you reckon it will always be peculiar uh, I think like anything you'll get used to it over time um, we can't wait for the fans to come back and the atmosphere to come back I think Everyone is desperate for that to occur, so we're no different as the umpires. We we love umpiring, and it's uh, we definitely know it's more fun umpiring when there's a big crowd there. Mm. Brett, it's good to have a chance to chat. Good luck through this period. Uh, you're working in the finance sector, is that right? Yeah, so I'm lucky. I'm still employed. Um, I work for Ticketmaster, so it's uh, not not ideal. We've had about fifteen hundred cancelled or postponed events, so it's a bit of a <laughs> mad time trying to. Get everyone their money back and refund and reschedule shows for later in the year, hopefully. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's been a stressful time there too. Good luck on that front. Yes, there's many a footy fan who will be sweating on you there as well. Good on you, Brett. Thanks a lot. I think uh Brett Rosebury, our most experienced AFL umpire, his experience for the time being. So one three hundred seven three six seven three six. It's just the the fears associated with now. It has been a frightful week in a way. Are you holding to the fact that? Your team will be there and will come out the other side. And that the haves and the have-nots, do you worry that that gap will open up? one 736 736 to join us on Crunch Time next. The award-winning Crunch Time. Crunch Time is for 40 Winks. Team up with your perfect bed using bed match only at 40 Winks. Jared Waitley, Kane Corns, Liam Pickering and Sam Edmonds with you as the predominant topic of the week has been the football economy. Do you take comfort in the AFL's pledge that the 18 teams go in and the 18 teams come out the other end? Or do you worry that somewhere down the track talk of relocations or mergers will become a reality? And what is the equation between survival and competitiveness. Will we open up a gap that might never be closed between the haves and the have-nots during this economic crisis facing football? one 736 736 to join in the conversation. Kane Corns and Liam Pickering were, were pretty deep in it when we just paused to take Brett Rosebury, uh, the, field, the most experienced field umpire in the game. Pick, is that, that equation between survival and competitiveness? Do you, do you have any concerns on that front? Uh, no, I don't. No, I don't. I think the clubs are smart enough and the people that run the clubs are smart enough to work out what they need as an essential uh, internally in their football departments to make them better. And I don't think there'll be clubs with the money that will, will go outside that. I think that, as I said, it was pretty, I said earlier, it was 
pretty heavily. It's pretty heavily uh, watched, I must say, and and, and uh, monitored by the AFL. Uh, what's interesting is just speaking to players throughout the course of the last week, just asking them how they're going or whatever, and their thoughts. And you know, I'm more for everyone, you know, being involved as much as they can in the industry. But the players' views on the lack of, you know, the ten welfare guys they've got in the 15 assistants, and I'm going a bit overboard, but say, you know, the, the 15 or 20 that might be in and around the football team, their view is very much that they feel like, the older ones in particular, that those roles have been invented to a certain extent, and it's great, and a lot of players will use them, but a lot of them are like, well, we don't, I don't want to have another meeting, <laughs> just to have a meeting, because this guy wants to have his say for the, because he hasn't spoken all week, and, you know, the, there's a bit of that that's going on with the players. Uh, and as I said, I'm not for in any way saying that they shouldn't, you know, give people opportunities to, to work and assistant coaches and welfare people and, you know, sports psychs and, and you know, fitness you know, gurus and whatnot. I think that's fine. But I think there has been a bit of an overkill in that area, especially from the clubs that have got the wealth, that are wealthy, that, that just like to spread it out. So a leaner version. Yeah. And I think it's... Oh yeah, Jared. Sorry, I cut you off there. No, a leaner version would suit a lot of the players in the feedback that I've got in the last week. All right, let's work calls into our conversation here on Crunch Time one three hundred seven three six seven three six. And we haven't yet got to the relationship between fans and their clubs and what you've made of the way membership money has been handled in that conversation in the back half of the week. Trout's with us in Woodend. Welcome, Trout. Hello, boys. Um, look, I love the show. I can't see all 18 teams going next year. I think Gill will fight this with his heart and he's going to speak through his heart and not with his, um, with his brain because you can't be pumping out $30 million to certain teams and they get no return. Um, we're, we're shareholders of this game and all we need to know is the truth of what it's costing. Get a breakdown, hit us with it hard, tell us how it is and let us know. I, I won't, AFL will go on itself, but in what form? VFL, I reckon, will get cutbacks. AFLW, I'm worried about. The poor buggers have just started. But this is my question to you guys is, and to the, to the fans out there listening. Well, I know we all love our clubs and we support them, and I'm going to do, do my best to leave my money there. If people take their money back from a club and they say, because they're doing it really hard, and I know they're doing it really hard, and I really feel for them. If they take their money back from the club, if they take all of it back, do they lose their year's service? So if you're a 35-year member and you take your money back, next year you start it, the year you buy up again, do you start it the first year again? That's the question that needs to be told to the members before they take their money out. Yeah, there hasn't been... Um, I, I know it's been a work in progress and there's one of the subgroups of the chief executives has been set up to, to deal with membership and not knowing what the season looks like does make that difficult but there was there was a lack of transparency around what was going on yeah. Kane which which did get flushed out in, in the back part of the week and what we saw was just the a major surge of people going no no we, we don't want our money back but there's a portion of people that that will need it are absolutely entitled to it and shouldn't be made to feel guilty about it absolutely I think it is 
a fair question to ask, and I actually thought, you know, the, where it has all blown up is the interview with, with TJ and Eddie. I actually thought the question from Tony was fair, and I thought he asked it pretty calmly, and it was, it was pretty pertinent for, you know, a few people, not not everyone. The feedback I've got on this show from the text line is that 95% are keeping their money in, and they will do that because they can. There'll be some that can't, but you know, I've done interviews with um, club CEOs and things like that, and one of the conditions of the interview has been you're not allowed to ask about refunds for members uh, and their money. Like they're, they're, they're they're sorry, sorry, that's actually yeah, been told that, to you. That has actually been a condition of interviews that I have done with two CEOs of clubs in the last, well, since this has happened. Wow. So, so they are they are paranoid about it, that it keeps coming up, and then, I guess, planting the seeds in members' minds that they may not have thought about, and then, oh, hang on, well, times are tough, I'm gonna, now I'm going to hit up the club. So that has absolutely happened in two of the interviews I've done with club CEOs in the last month. It's all in the messaging, though, isn't it, Jared? Okay, Eddie might not have handled it that well in hindsight, and maybe... TJ, maybe look, maybe it was a bit pointed right from the off, but Peggy O'Neill on the ABC yesterday just simply said, "Our members are entitled to a refund if you know if they feel that's their right, if they need it, but they're vital to our club. If you can keep your money with us, please do so. It ensures our survival and club survival. It just, it's all in the messaging, surely." Yeah, and Amit Baines was sort of really clear on Thursday morning, just calmly going, yes, we have. But he said we could count on the fingers of two hands how many have um, yeah. have sought refunds and we've given those quickly. And what they're finding is that there are more people buying memberships than there are searching for refunds. But because I am of the view that it should have been more strongly said, of course, of course, if you need a refund, yeah. well, I it's think, there for you. Yeah, Jared, I think that's where yeah, it, it become a bit of a, you know, pump your chest out and who gets the answer and all that between TJ and Eddie, right? And I get that. What I think in answer to what Trout was saying, what's going to happen to the members? I'm taking Eddie McGuire on face value. If his members, 20, 30-year members, want their money back and he's not going to advertise for it, obviously, because the clubs do need the money, they won't get pushed to the back of the line. That's not going to happen. Clubs are better than that. They're much mm. better than that. So, one, I think it was a reasonable question. For, it was a very fair question from TJ to ask. It was an aggressive response from Eddie, but that's how Eddie operates. And I think deep down, the clubs will do the right thing by their by their members. And so they should, because not everyone can afford to be buying a membership at the moment. Simple mm. as that. Problem is, Pick, is like the membership department has been stripped. So like, where, where do you go to, you know, I've had a, a one call a, from an Essendon supporter said, I, I, I needed to get my money back. I rang the membership department and no one's there to answer it because they've all been stripped yeah. down. Well, so. There's got to be an all. There's got to be an all um, membership email go out. Like clubs communicate with the members, saying if you require this, this is what you do, and this is where you go to get your money so back. So you I don't think, think that's happened at the moment, Kane? Sorry. Well, I'm not sure. I'm only a member of Port Adelaide, so I can't speak on behalf of the 17 other clubs. But I haven't received a letter from Port Adelaide saying. If you're in trouble, this is what you should do. I think it just needs to be a little bit more transparent mm. and communicated better. It, it has differed from club to club, and we got an email on Thursday as one member sent on the email that they'd just received, which said their next payment was due, which was uh, a bit confronting, I think, for that correspondent at the time. Others had had full refunds along the way, so there hasn't yet been the United approach that there. I'm sure there will be, but... Yeah, that that you've got to keep faith with the people of football right now, uh, and I think that's that's been a bit um, that hasn't been particularly well done. There's a lot of calls to get through here, lads. So let's take Pete on the road. Hello, Pete. Welcome to Crunch Time. 
Yeah, guys, great, great to hear. And as a as a station, you're doing a, a brilliant job. I think um, you've embraced the community even more so than other times. And credit to all of you. So thanks for that. Secondly, just I totally agree with Kane Corns on um, on the haves and have not discussion. I don't think it's going to change. I think the the, the gaps that we have are there now. Uh, if you look at how talent is spread, we ain't in clubs. We spread the talent too thin anyway. So all those, I totally agree with Corn. All those issues actually exist now, Jerry. It's not going to happen post this. Um, one thing on, I think, going forward is that the, I think it's highlighted that we're going to have to put something away for a rainy day because these things could be happening regularly. And I think where the NRL, AFL, everyone's getting caught out is there's not enough put away for a rainy day. So I think that's going to be a big talk going forward as opposed to we're not for profit, give it all out. And the last one, guys, on the training regime, I'm really surprised when clubs have made plays to train at home. If you carve up a time schedule over seven days, there is no reason why, even individually, given that they all have their own premises, players can't show up uh, on a roster, even if they had the whole gym to themselves, one player at a time, and do a proper workout if need be. So I'm really surprised that everyone's isolated and training at home unless I've missed something. I think they tried that, Pete, with um, the NBA. And so they left the facility open with the NBA. But quickly, I think 10 players had got two had tested positive in the NBA. And that's when they decided to shut the club facility. So I'm thinking there's a a cost to it for opening it. There needs to be someone there um, cleaning it. You've probably got to clean it every day if players are coming through and using the facility so i would imagine you know that would be ideal pete and it's not to say you couldn't have it done but it's just it would be a cost exercise i would imagine and also a safety precaution if a player did test positive that's what i would think the players are training don't worry about that they're not sitting around just watching tv i mean they're actually training at the moment they're out there they've got programs they've got their home gyms they're going for runs I was walking around the Albert Park Lake the other day no Kane I wasn't running three laps I was all <laughs> walking around listening to Jared and I saw he's sure belting out some runs yeah. and people are making do uh, and, and I think that this is where I, I guess the bit of an argument is is that oh the players when we're talking about player salaries and all that sort of stuff they are still working like they are training like they're not sitting around playing Xbox like they are actually training yes they're not playing that's part of the job but they're still training. They're not at the club every day doing it. But most of them have got the their own weights and their own gym set up and treadmills and the like. And, and they're running and they're, they're keeping fit. Because if this game gets the tick off that we're playing in three weeks, they've got to be ready to go. They've got to be ready. Yeah. John's with us in Epping. Welcome to Crunch Time, John. How are you, boys? How you going? Johnny. Uh, way I ring you, I've got a couple of comments I want to ask you. One I want to regard about Trout, Richmond number one supporter there. Uh, it come out and told you the IFL can't keep on going and prop up these this small clubs. At that time, probably with this crisis we have now, the IFL do something better. So... And uh, if we go to 20 years ago, yeah. when they were rattled thin and spit it on their couch of face because they were players shocking, they didn't have a sense to buy uh, a glass of milk just about. And now we come out and say, the IFL going to stop to do that because enough is enough. That, that's ridiculous. He forgot, he forgot what's happening to his club. North Melbourne doesn't need any money just about because they are debt free. Yeah, it's it. And all the money the IFL give to North Melbourne, give to all the other clubs. John, I have to admit, I did, I don't know if you guys picked that. In the back of my head, I was thinking the exact same thing as John. 
with Trout is that, oh, we've got to get rid of clubs. Well, hang on a minute, mate. <laughs> the Tigers are at the top of their game at the moment and they're very well financially set up. And, and I'm not having a go at, at Trout as such, but that's a pretty flippant thing to say because your club hasn't been at the top of their game for the best part of 30 years. They've got their act together and they're going brilliantly and they're very well led. But I mean, there, were t- there were dark times for Richmond. There were dark times for the Bulldogs. They had to fight. Like, I mean, these are these are two of our last three flag uh, premiers have had to go through a save our skins slash merger scenario in the Bulldogs and Richmond, and they're starting to track out of it. And Richmond are going very well at the moment, but it, it is it, it's quite flippant to say they oh I've just got to get rid of teams. I just think that's very flippant indeed. I do think also the language around prop up is it's a distribution league. Mm. So there's a central fund created and then money is given out on a on a proportional basis. So Sam, that 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 is the setup. Is the money that's given to St Kilda isn't to prop them up. That that's their that addresses their competitive disadvantages uh, for the like. So you can make you can say, oh well there's four clubs that have been propped up because they get more than everyone else. Everybody gets a distribution. It's just the the level of it's uh, marries up to your place in the grand collective. But if they didn't get those distributions, would they be financially solvent? Well, no, but that's the way the system is set up. So we've learnt this week that without the distributions, yeah. basically you lose 14 of 18. But is that I a sound system? I don't system. think the clubs are actually set up to be standalone entities. It, it, should, is, it belongs to the collective, doesn't it? Should they be, though? Should they be financially more financially dependent? Well, it means we're going to have a four-team competition. That's the reality. That's what you're saying. If you're saying there's 14 that are relying on the money from the AFL, that means we've got a four-team comp. Is that what you want, Sammy? Don't want a four-team comp, but I think the model's wrong. The model's not sound, and maybe it has been excess. Maybe it has been largesse that, that Jared touched on earlier, but the model as it stands, that, that should be the key lesson out of it, is that it can't be sound as it stands at the moment. It's, it's got to be a more financially sound model where the clubs aren't going to go under um, potentially so easily. If we if we get another one of these or the broadcast revenue slows, we're so reliant on the broadcast revenue. You'd just love to see some clubs stand a bit more solidly on their own two feet. I would anyway. We're taking your calls on Crunch Time, one 736 736 Richard, Jack, Michael, keep your place in line. We will take your calls in a moment. And in about 15 minutes' time, we're going to turn our minds to Club 10 as pickers. You're the perfect man to sit in judgment in this. Boy, this is Kane and Sam have gone to the modern Club 10. So you can sit in judgment on how you've gone. If Ricky Nixon was building his collective <laughs> all over again in the modern construct, who would be the chosen 10? That's in quarter of an hour on Crunch Time. The award-winning Crunch, Crunch Time. Time. This is Crunch Time for 40 Winks. Team up with your perfect bed using bed match only at 40 Winks. Jared Waitley, Kane Corns, Liam Pickering, Sam Edmonds. So the week has been dominated by the football economy and the implications thereof. 18 teams promised have gone in, will come out the other side. The questions about what the medium to long term look like as well. They're questions that are occupying many a mind on 1300 736 736. Richard is in cows. Welcome to you, Richard. Good afternoon, Jared. Jared, um, I'm uh, a Richmond member. I'm 70 years old. I've been a member for 62 years. I made a further donation to my club on Thursday of $200 for starters. Mm. Good on what you, What drove you to do that, Richard? Why did you want to make that extra step? 
passionate, proud member. Seen seven grand finals at the ground for five premierships, the last two on TV. Um, and if they require any more, I'll put my hand in my pocket. You're a good supporter, Richard. Well done, mate. It's good to hear. We love those sort of... Uh we love those stories, don't we, boys? There's been a bit of them too, which has been which has been great to read and see and hear about, no doubt. And that's you know that's having faith in your people. As yes, there'll be those who need, but there aren't many who'll want to take their money away. So look after the needs, and it'll repay down the track. Jack is on the road. Welcome to you, Jack. Good day, lads. Good good talking to you, Sam. I disagree with Kane Quads. I don't think Eddie was out of line at all. I think Caroline Wilson on the um on the show and also Tony Jones, they were pushing for a yes, no answer. Now, he was not in the position to do that. He cleanly explained to them, if you're in trouble, ring up your club, we'll look after you, right? Mm. That's basically saying that. But he, if he turned around and said yes or no, every other club would have said, go, oh, Cleveland's giving their money back. We'll jump on that as well. Now, the day after that, Dylan McLaughlin made a decision and said all clubs, if they want their money back and they're in hardship, they can do it. So I don't think Eddie was out of it line at all, and, and, and he called, um, and we all know that um, Tony Jones is a capital smart, eh, what he called him, um, and he'll find out tomorrow on the Sunday footy show. Jack, I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I didn't say Eddie was out of line, but uh, I, I, all I said was I thought the question was fair. I didn't, I didn't comment on on Eddie's no, reaction. I, I think, I think it was a bit of theatre, and, and these two are as media professionals as you're ever going to get. They, they know the theatre of it. They know Footy Classified is coming up after the news. So, so 20% of it is is promotion for for the TV show, and I thought it was epic viewing. I loved it. I, I never said Eddie was out of line. Thought the questioning from TJ was fine, and I thought Eddie was doing what Eddie does, and that he's been an absolute TV guru who knows how to get a reaction, and since then online, it has just gone bananas. Good on you, Jack. Michael's in Adelaide. Welcome, Michael. G'day, lads. How are you? G'day, Michael. You there? Yeah, g'day, Michael. That's the way. Yeah, I'm I'm living in Alberton, um, which is in South Australia, of course, you all know. And, uh, yeah, the old man's uh, been locked up in uh, isolation because he's a volunteer with the Port Power staff. And um, just uh, another guy mentioned that uh, players coming back to train or whatever. I haven't seen a car there. Haven't seen hardly anything at the footy club. And apparently all the Guernseys and the boots, they're all still sitting in bags and boxes waiting to be unpacked. That's how, uh, I don't know, isolated the place is at the moment. She's like a ghost town. So that's all I know. And have a good day. Good on you, Michael. Yeah, I think that would be repeated around a few clubs. <laughs> those boxes would make, if you could just sneak in and open those, there'd be, there'd be some treasures in there. My word, there would be. <laughs> David is in Montmorency. Welcome to you, David. Good afternoon, gentlemen. How are you? Good, well. thanks, David. Um, just the, the, the comments about, you know, the clubs being more prepared. A couple of things, I think. Um, this is a once-in-a-century event, and the thing that I think AFL has over almost any sport is the social connection it still has. You can have a line of sight to almost every part of the club. That's what drew me to the game when I came here. And if you say to clubs, stand on your own two feet, that becomes a private ownership model. Instantly it becomes survival of the fittest. And who has the most? That's when clubs will die off. You just have to look, you want an EPL model. 
The players haven't sacrificed a penny in the EPL, and some of them make more in a week than an AFL player does in an entire year. I think I read on the news last night they're down 30%. The, so, sorry, I heard on the news last night that the players are taking a 30% cut, which is coming, but you're right, 30% on what they're yeah. earning and the numbers are extraordinary is, is you know not going to affect them too much, you wouldn't have thought. But I, I don't want to see the EPL model. I don't want to see where you, you turn up to a season and there are only four clubs that can realistically win the title every year. Like that, That's what happens over there. and I don't want to see that. I'm not sure about you guys, but I love the fact that how even our competition is and if 16 teams are playing against 16, you, you are not sure who's going to win on that day regardless, you know, take Gold Coast out of it. Anyone can really beat anyone on, on any given day. Yeah, I think at that the methodology has served the game well and, and not losing that along the way is pretty critical during that phase. <laughs> yes, the, the EPL players were much slower to come to the party than... I know there was they fierce were, criticism here for a week, but <laughs> my goodness, what was happening over in Europe did warrant a little bit of a bit of reading. Mm. Graham is with us. Graham, welcome to you. Thanks, boys. Love the show. Just interested in your thoughts around apparel sponsorship and the potential impact on dollars coming through the door at Clubland. Pickers, you've got a bit of a background in uh, apparel, is my understanding. Oh, yes, I did work at uh, <laughs> Feeler back in the day. I did. I was uh, doing all the sports sort of marketing stuff for the three of the AFL clubs in the Australian cricket team. So what was the question, though? Oh, it's just more about... You know, we've got a bit of a shrinkage in the market with the number of apparel suppliers. Is that mm. going to become more and more important moving forward with what we're faced with? Yeah, potentially it is. Uh, if you look over the traditionally over the years, we we know we've had the not just the Nikes, the Adidas, the Pumas. They're the main ones that we've seen, but there's been a whole heap of ISCs, and you know the clubs are going out and sourcing their own. Collingwood have got their own apparel there. They they had a long term sponsorship with that with Adidas. And they ended up going out and doing their own. So I know Adidas are heavily in with Hawthorne. I know Puma are heavily in with Richmond and a number of other clubs. Uh, what's ha- what happens in the in the apparel sense is a lot of it is product only. So I'm not sure what the deals are with the various clubs, but I would say the majority of the of, of what goes into a club is in terms of product more so than cash. So it's not like the Nikes of the world are sticking a million dollars into somewhere. Mm. Uh, and it's not like the Adidas of the world, uh, they're probably paying some cash to Hawthorne, but from their end, it's, it's, they get the apparel on the players. Uh, and then, of course, they get the clip of, of what apparel they sell to the, to the, to the fans. So um, there's a bit of a misconception. It's like when you, you hear, oh, yeah, Dusty's just signed a you know, $250,000 deal with Puma. We just didn't. It's just not what happened. Yeah, right. <laughs> the numbers are so blown out compared to what happens in the States where they do do $100 million Nike deals for you know, Sergio Garcia or Rory McIlroy or someone. But you know, the, the, the AFL top-line players are probably getting somewhere in the vicinity of 5000 and 30000 mm. in cash, but then product on top of that. So from a club perspective, you extrapolate it out and all of a sudden you've got a, a scenario where the club might get hundred grand in cash, but they might get... X amount of product which they can use, so uh, which fits out. They're not only their playing staff, um, playing a group, but their their staff, their their all, all the people that work there, their volunteers, all that sort of stuff. So they've got to, you know, they do spend a lot of money, but a lot of it's in product. Hmm. 
All right, two more calls here, and then we're going to recast the modern Club 10. Kane and Sam have done their work. Pickers is going to sit in judgment. We want your contribution of work as well. If Ricky Nixon was coming up with Club 10 in the modern incarnation, I'll never forget that press conference when they all walked out. I was a rookie yeah, Channel 10. It was a lot extraordinary. Of denim. A lot of denim. If you, yes, if we were recasting Club 10 in the modern context... Who would they be? So two more calls on the current issues of the games, and then we'll drift away. Joe's in South Morang. Hello, Joe. Yeah, hi, Joe. How are you? Very well. Yeah. I'm a passionate Collingwood supporter since I arrived in Australia in 1958. Now, what I suggest uh, what the club should do, maybe next year, just to pacify the members, they should offer them, say, a 10 20% discount and that will uh, keep all the all the members happy. I do think there'll be that connection, that bond between club and member in the aftermath of this. There'll be goodwill. Oh, I'm absolutely sure of that, Joe. And once we know what 2020 has been, uh, that will that will shape what 2021 is. So oh, I'm I'm holding great faith in in the leaders of our clubs on that front. And Shane, oh, uh, our last caller on the subject. Hello, Shane. Hi. How are you? Very well. Good. Thanks. Yeah, I want to talk about the, all this issue about um, members want their money back. For me, it's just crumbs. The, for the price around the world for membership, it's pretty insurmountable. Well, it's not crumbs. It's not crumbs if you've got 90,000 members and they're all all sorts of varying uh, types. varying types of membership, Shane. There's not just your... Yeah, you know, your three game memberships and your and your you know your ten or eleven home game memberships, or whatever it is, thousands of dollars, thousands and thousands of dollars of, of corporate packages and and the yeah. like. That it just doesn't not... take you long to get to sort of between twenty and forty million dollars. Oh, it's a lot of money. It's a lot yeah. of money, and yeah. So I mean that that's it's not insignificant, Shane, by any stretch. And, and that's the only revenue coming into the clubs as we speak, more or less at the moment. That's their that's their olive branch at the moment, Jared. Okay, we're going to keep the lines open. The modern incarnation of Club 10 coming up next. I'm a great admirer of what the AFL record is doing at the moment. It's there every week. Hopefully you have been downloading it. You've found where to find it. They're doing a brilliant job to be putting out. It was 93 pages I was flicking through last night. But better than that, there's historic editions coming. The 1970s, maybe, I don't know whether it's the most fun that was had in footy, but in a way it's the most gregarious. A commemorative edition of 10 years of footy from the 70s being produced by the AFL record. It's got all the big stories and the fabulous marks and goals and the old biff that defined the era. It's all thanks to Karcher. Great Footy Decades 1970s Digital Edition, just $2.99 at afl.com.au and the AFL app. This is crunch time for Identifiber, specialising in asbestos, mould, air quality and environmental services. Look at these Club 10 names. Let's just go through them. Ablett, Gavin Brown, Jason Dunstall, Glenn Jakovic, Matthew Richardson, James Hurd, Anthony Kutafides, Matthew Lloyd, Corey McKernan, and Michael Boss. And you've named a few players there, McKernan. Who came in late? Yeah, Is that came right? in later. Yeah. Only because I didn't want to lose him in management. Kuda, <laughs> um, uh, Mark Rusciuto, Tony Modra, uh, Michael Voss, a uh, bloke called Ben Cousins, people might know. Um, yes. Yeah. So, like, the, gr- the group was probably... Ricky Nixon, the extract from the Herald Sun's acclaimed Sacked podcast, which returned today... Club 10, as Ricky points out, was linked to Mitre 10 at the time. It wasn't 10 players. And the original poster, which he's tweeted while we've been setting this up, 
has Jakovic, Lowe, Richardson, Wanganeen, Dunstall, Ablitz, Carey, Gavin Brown, Gary Lyon, Greg Williams and Plugger as the 11 original members of Club 10. Oh boy. In the mo- <laughs> this, this is crunch time for identifier but specialising in asbestos mould, air quality and environmental services. So pick us first to you uh, in the next generation of sports managers. When that group was assembled and brought out on stage in those jumpers to marry up with the theme of Club 10, it was the most definitive pecking order that generation of football had ever seen oh, no. to be in that was that was just this is the order of things and here they are <laughs> it was unbelievable he is a trailblazer ricky don't worry about that he had some issues we know that we've read about him and it's in the paper again today but one he was a fantastic manager uh i was actually managed by by uh, ricky at the same time I, I don't i think i was in club 90 <laughs> i think i was i was way down the track but i mean that is a group of the biggest names the biggest names in the game by as far as you can kick your hat. In fact, that alone, and because Ricky had such control over what the players could and couldn't do and would and wouldn't do, you know, uh, that they basically, the AFL set up cl- uh, elite sports properties, which was which was Craig Kelly's mob. That's how they set up. Could they, it ever come back, Picks? Could you ever have a modern-day Club 10? Well, yeah, you could, but... It's so competitive it's now. Like Management there was there, there mm. wasn't a, there was hardly any managers back then. That's what I mean. Could R- someone pull it off? Oh, no, nah, not in the not in the modern era. I don't think it's too competitive. Like there's not any something agents at the moment for a start. And I look back at Ricky. Ricky had a mortgage on the whole industry. And if you were managed by Ricky Nixon, I know how he had time to be able to manage everybody, but he did. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it was that. And then Craig Kelly started up ESP to, so the AFL could have some control over uh, over being able to use players. So Ned went out and he went and signed a whole lot of the young ones coming through and probably a few of those guys that were originally with Ricky that probably came across and and they tried to work it that way. So he changed everything, Rick, when he was, when he was managing. And uh, he had the industry really by the short and curlies. <laughs> That's the simple fact. He did. <laughs> So, Kane, you were do- jogging this morning. Run- yes. Jogging doesn't do He doesn't jog. Does it, he doesn't jog, Jared. Sorry, he my, runs hard. Yeah, my apologies. Uh, and this triggered in that you, you were did. listening to that. And, and as soon as you stopped running, you sent the message, I'm doing the Club 10 for the modern era. I thought it'd be terrific to go through it. Now, there's different qualifications for how we've all probably done this. And, Sam, mm. you've got a probably different qualification in your mind. The way I have done it is if I was a young Liam Pickering and I was starting a management career and there was no com- competition, there was no competition, and I could have the monopoly of the industry, who would I take? Who, who are the 10 that I would take to start my management company is the way I've sort of done it. So it was marketable players in the game. Yeah. Why don't we, so why don't marketability we, or ability or both? Both. both. Why, why don't we do this as a like a pick each? And let's see if we can't come to one that we can actually all come together with. Good luck with this. No, no. Just so we do a selection like a draft. So okay. you're, you're, the, you're, draft. The, you're the number one draft pick. So who are you taking first as an example? Yeah, so I got, I've got first pick. I'll yep. go Dusty. You're taking Dusty. Okay, Jared. I'll take Dangerfield. Dangerfield. Uh, Sammy? I'll take Patrick Cripps, AFL MVP last year and comfortably yep. so. Okay, and I'll take Buddy every day of the week. Okay, so I didn't so this, I didn't have Buddy 
for, for the reason that was my, um, I guess, criteria. For okay, well, if you're... That's, that's okay. That's your right. pick, I'll, though. I'll, yeah, I know. I'll, if you're going to start, I'll start a separate management company and I'll start with him. How does that sound? Okay. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, I'm, not sure many games, I'm not sure how many games he's got left in him pickers. Maybe 30, I reckon, max. But uh, anyway, so, actually, let's get complain. everyone's methodology. So I'm Kane. So you're, if you are a young manager setting up, this is who you'd want. Yep. Is for me is I, th- these are who I want to parade on stage. Okay, but that's my. So it's a complete peeing contest. Yep. This is I want to put these blokes on stage and go. This is my club. Oh well, well buddies in that then. Yep. Okay, so of it's course. back to pick one. It's you again. Uh, to me, I'm going to go uh, Brody Grundy. Grundy, yeah, good one. Yep, Jared. Uh, I will go Jack Revolt. Jackie Boy, yep. Uh, what about you, Sammy? I don't think we've named Nat Fife yet. Best-looking man in football. Won a couple nope. of Brownlows as well. Okay, if I'm parading him around, I'm putting Gary Ablett in there. Don't worry about that. Okay, I didn't have the little master in there, but uh, no, I I'll, go, on I'll plays, go, but... um, I will go Bont and Pelly. Bont and one to finish the top ten. I'll tell you how it looks. I will go Nick Nat. And Nick Nat, I like it. I had him in my loose too. There's our top 10 to start. So it's Dusty, Danger, Cripps, Buddy, Grundy, Rewalt, Fife, Ablett, Bontempelli, and Nick Nat. So there's no key defender in there. I mean, did we we care about that? No, well, I I thought about... I don't think the defenders sell sell merch, do they? Like, so Rance just, would have been in there. Rance would have been yep. in there. I thought about McGovern. I think he would be the next. But once again, mm-hmm. he's not a sexy sort of forward, is he? He's not your midfielder. He doesn't get the Brownlow votes. Um, so that that was my that was my justification. We've missed a few good ones. Obviously, Pendlebury oh, yeah. is one. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you have got the marketability from a Collingwood perspective of of Dugowie and Moore, the young yep. ones. Uh, who else we missed? Max Gorn. Gorn's a character. Maxi Gorn will be in there. I, I thought Jeremy Cameron, just Cole Jeremy Mills, Cameron, another goals. one that I had him. Lockie Neal. Lockie Neal is a good player. But oh, he's an excellent player. What, one of my criteria, gents, was I wanted to spread it geographically as best I could. I wanted a player in every state if I could manage it. So who, did so we who miss else did this? you have then? Yeah, who, who well, from South Australia? I reckon South Australia is really Grundy. interesting. Well, no, no, Grundy, I'll put in. The plays there. Not, not, not who's from there. Who plays no, there? No, from there. I mean, he's, well, I've gone from there, and obviously there's a Collingwood Lincoln. Grundy's a, a walk up anyway. The the Queenslander was difficult. Now, I wanted a defender in there, and I actually think Dylan Grimes is the best defender in the game at the moment, but I went number 10, Harris Andrews. Plays yeah, in Queensland. Bad. He's yeah. from Queensland. He's going to earn a lot of. He's going to learn a lot of money as well, and there's a lot of management fees that he will pay. So from <laughs> South Australia, the, the one that I had was was Rosie. Um, I just think second year, what, what he's going to do is going to be earn a lot of money and put a lot of bums on seats. So I had him. I also had Aaron Norton. I just think for yeah, for his ability player. as a young man, I had Charlie Cameron as well in, in the mix. Yeah, well, he's yeah, another up one. On, up on stage from South Australia, I want Tex and I want Charlie Dixon. So okay. I, I think they're the two biggest figures in football in South well, Australia. Kane won't agree with Tex. <laughs> no, I, I, don't, I don't disagree. In, in, if you look at... Um, they're forwards who, too. Well, and look at the who's got the biggest social media audience from the club. It'd be Taylor Walker. So, I mean, it's 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 a reasonably sound, um, logical decision, I would have thought. Elliot Yeo is another one we yeah, hadn't mentioned. Elliot Yeo would be right in there for the West. I'd have him behind Nick Nat from a marketable point of view out of the West. Mm. Oh, I have Toby f- Green on stage. Yeah, uh, again, the, the, the Giants are really interesting, Jared, because Toby Green is everything you want in a, as a client. 
You know, either way he plays. Um, yeah, he's a skellywag, but those guys are marketable as well. It's like Dane Swan back in when we – Swanee was the most one of the most marketable guys that we had. And Swanee was a larrikin. He was a character. We spent as much time <laughs> working out the stuff off the field with the little <laughs> champ as we did on the field. But, yeah, people loved him. Mm. So and- – one other name, gents, that we've... It's amazing how quickly they fall off the radar when they spend a year out of the game. But when before Steve Canelio did his knee, he's one of the best players in the comp. Captain now and one of the nice guys of of the game. So I think we've got to have him in there somewhere as well. Well, there's a group of those guys, though. If you look at the... Yeah, That's is. why I think I'm with... Uh, who picked Jeremy Cameron? I think it was Kane. Me, yeah. Yeah, I'm with... I'd go Cameron first because he's the goal kicker and he's, you know, the Coleman medalist and all that. Mm. But there's a group of them. Canelio, Green... Whitfield. Whitfield, Kelly, you just go, wow. And we haven't even seen Taranto and, and, and Taranto's won a BNF, by the way. We haven't even seen Taranto and uh, what's the other young midfielder's name? Hopper. Who, Hopper, uh, Hopper yeah. sorry, Hopper, who are the two young guys that they haven't even got hot yet, in my view. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're bloody good players, those two kids. So, so yeah. I was also listening as well, Jerry, this morning. So just just speaking, it's a sort of an extension of this conversation. But uh, Brooksy back in the studio has got a grab of, of Ricky on the the podcast. He sp- speaks about what Wayne Carey earned um, back in the year two thousand. Have a listen to this. Wayne Carey in two thousand mm. earned a million dollars for playing and five hundred off the field, so really? one point five. Right. Wow. Yeah. Dustin Martin's earning one point three, and. Arguably about 250 off the field. So 20 years later, the best player in the game is earning the same. Which would you think about that? TV That's rights. Wrong. What, what are you? What are you? I say this to Gil yeah, McLaughlin: yeah. is, is you've got it wrong. Yeah. Mm. The average players are earning 400, mm. and they're average. The best players should be earning way more. They should be earning 2.5 million. Pickers. Ah, uh, it's a reasonable point. Reasonable point is that the because back then the salary cap wasn't like it is. North Melbourne could spend all their money on Wayne Carey. The other blokes would follow him. They'd all stay anyway and take whatever they could get. And the duck would, who had Ricky negotiating for him was the best player in the comp, arguably. He probably was. At his best, he was. But, yeah, so he was taking the majority of the pie. Uh, and playing at North Melbourne, I know what it was like. None of us were getting well paid back then in the early days. No one. So if the duck's taken all the money... And then you've got all these great players that play underneath him, probably taking a third of that. Yeah, and, and it was relevant too because $300,000 back 20 years ago was a bloody fortune. There's more movement as well. It's easier to move now as well, Picks, isn't it? And there's more Ricky Nixons. There's more managers. There's more conversation taking place around, I can't get a game here. I can get more here. Can I go here? So it's easier to go somewhere else for, for a bigger wedge than maybe potentially what it was back in those days. Yeah, well, it, there's a there's a mechanism now to do it, which there always has been, I guess. But, yeah, I, I think you'll find that the, 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 the very best players, and that's the point he's making, haven't got a they – they're not gapping the yeah. good players. Mm. The great players aren't gapping the good players no, with regards argue, to salary. You could argue that Jared Pollock is earning the same as Patrick Dangerfield. Now, there's – reasons behind that because Danger probably took less to go home and Pollack signed a deal because North Melbourne had to get someone. Yeah. They would be within $100,000 of them if I had to guess, not that we know what everyone earns. But I think that's what you're saying. How, in what world is it fair that Jared Pollock earns a similar amount to Patrick Dangerfield? Well, he's this, not, and I think that's what he's saying. I think we had this, he is. I think we had this discussion last week, is that when you've got a salary cap, 
you've got a poor team, a poor club, the bottom team spending the exact same amount of money as the top team. Yep. Mm. So of course it's sued horribly for the the Dustin Martins of the world, or the blokes that are, that are seen just under Dusty. I mean, Tom Lynch has taken less than he would have got at the Gold Coast. Mm. No question, so, he is. You'd Let like me... to see the contract list on the Gold Coast, though, for players that uh, Kane you might think are slightly overpaid. No, they've they've said that publicly. They've said we have had to overpay and to keep and, them. In, to the point where their salary cap is an issue for them. Managing their salary cap is an issue for them. You think, well, how the hell they won three games? Who are they paying? Well, they have to pay Jared Witts and they have to pay Lockie Weller and they have to pay Lacocious in his second contract big money and, and Rankin will get yep. paid. He hasn't even played a game. Ben King to keep him. So that's the biggest issue for the Gold Coast, I think, is they're just weak because they have to pay average players elite money just to keep them. Well, great players. So let, let me, great. I just want to open the lines here, okay? one three hundred seven three six seven three six on the concept of the modern-day Club 10 and who you simply would have to have in there. And Ricky Nixon's tweeted us. He's put his modern-day Club 10 up. I'll Ooh. share that with you on Crunch Time next. We'll keep this conversation going and get your thoughts. The modern-day Club 10, who would you parade on stage in a pecking order of players as they are now? Jared Waitley, Liam Pickering, Kane Corn, Sam Edmund, and your thoughts next, one 736 736 on Crunch Time for Identifiber, specialising in asbestos mould, air quality and environmental services. You're listening to Crunch Time for 40 Winks. Team up with your perfect bed using bed match only at 40 Winks. Kane Corns, Liam Pickering, Sam Edmund and Jared Waitley contemplating the modern day Club 10. And Ricky Nixon has joined our conversation. So this is how he's gone, lads. He's okay. gone Buddy Franklin, Marcus Bontempelli, Jordan Degoe, Nat Fife, Tim Kelly, Patrick Dangerfield, Paddy Cripps, Ben Brown, Dustin Martin, and Joe Danaher, if he can get back on the field. Yeah, it's a good crew. Buddy Franklin, Marriott with Say that again. Buddy Franklin, he's gone numero uno, Kane. A lot of forwards, and there's something behind the forwards. Back in the day um, when Warren Treadjay was sponsored by Nike, and as his teammates were all very jealous of him, Nike had a policy they would only really sponsor forwards. And yep. if you think back to it, you know, Matthew Richardson and Revolt and Nike really invested in the forwards because, you know, Wayne Carey put bums on seats. So I can understand that logic. I've sort of thought about who's going who's gonna to earn me the most money. If I'm taking 3% of these wages in the next 10 years, I want a slice of the 3% that these are going to bring in. That's mm. the way I've sort of gone with it. Which way? So give us your 10, Kane. So so mine, uh, I've gone Martin, Dangerfield, Grundy, Bontempelli, Fife, Cripps, Jeremy Cameron, Connor Rosie, Aaron Norton, Charlie Cameron. Mm-hmm. So yep. no Dangerfield, sorry, no Franklin, no Ablett, no Pendlebury. I've sort of left the older plus 30s yep. uh, out, of it, out of it. All right. one three hundred seven three six seven three six to join in. Player contracts, Club 10, however you want to frame it. Dave is with us. Dave, welcome. Hi, Jared. Hi, Pickering, and I'm the whole group. Um, <laughs> this was more directed towards Liam, uh, Pickering. With the player contract, if, it, if the whole unemployment thing um, peaks out at 15% in the, in the economy, I think fans are going to come at the current, like, cost of memberships and, like, admissions to games, if it's, say, reduced to half, so you go back 10 years, is, would there be an expectation that the players also take their, their salary back 10 years until we rebuild? Of course, they're going to have to. There won't be a choice, Dave, to be honest. If, if 
the players will be told what the salary cap is, as simple as that, and it's what the game can afford. So my view is it'll come back a couple of million per club, but, you know, that's an uned, not totally uneducated, but it's, it's, it's more of a guesstimation. Um, and, of course, they're going to have to take um, play for less money. That's just the reality. Because you're worried think... about the job losses, sorry, Jared, the job losses in the game for players as well. So if you're thinking, um, you know, what we are hearing, and it's unconfirmed, but list size has come back from 44 to 35, there's, there's nine spots times 18 clubs. The yeah. AFL still saying they're going to have a draft. So say there's an average of three more youngsters coming in times up. There's upwards of 200 job losses just for current players. Yeah, I know, which is a concern. It's a serious concern if the, if the lists come back. I mean, there's talk that the lists will come back to 36. Mm. How like, the, are, how pick, There's I, got to be a moratorium. Well, I you, mean, they can't... Yeah, yeah, you and I had this discussion the other day, Sammy. Yeah. It's, the, the, one of the clubs has got 41 contracted next year. Yeah. yeah. So you're going to be ripping up contracts. That's that's not going to be happen, happening. So my view would be that they might be given a five-year window, potentially, to right. work up and down the cap as, as need be. Mm. But as long as you're back after a period, it may be five years, that you've got to be back to 100% by then. So you might be able to spend 120 in year one and you might be able to spend of whatever the cap is, and but you might have to spend 90 and 85 and to get it back, if you know what I mean. So to try and drag that, that number back. But again, these are just things thinking out loud. So I, I don't know where it'll land, but the players will be, they'll be hit. Don't worry about that. They've already been hit, obviously, with the with what's going on with the, the current salaries. and um, But they'll work within the, whatever the uh, parameters of the game are. Damien's with us in Strathmore. Welcome, Damien. Yeah, g'day, guys. You've got to have the most talented young kid in the game and um, just the best story as well, Sydney Stack. Next 10 years, he'll, he'll be he'll be an absolute superstar on and off the field. Got the personality, got the flair. Look what he did at the dream time of the G when he did his dance. He's just an absolute ripper off on and off the field, and um, yeah, he'd definitely be in my top ten. Mm, it wouldn't be in mine, I must say. Um, but he has got talent. No question about that. I, yeah, I, I don't think I'd get him in mine. He would be in mine. I like if we're going to go young. I also like the lizard up in Sydney as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I do too. I'm, I'm a Nick Blakey fan. I'm just not sure. You, you might take him a couple of years to get a body. He's yeah. got, he's got, as they'd say in the 12th minute, a painfully thin for sick. Can you sell that? Can you, can you sell that, Kane? Can you, can you well, sell that? He's got the, yeah, I don't know if he's got the get up and go of some of the others that you're looking for, but in terms of ability, like he... Got, hey, Kane, they've got some seriously talented kids, Sydney. I do. I don't know if I we... I love Heaney. I, I like... I like Mills, the star. Haywood's Mills. A, a jet. Yep. Ollie Florence, a gun. Yep. They've got, yeah, they've got, they've got some seriously talented young players, the Swans. Don't worry about them. I'm, they're the least of my concerns when it comes to a team that's going to improve. It may not be this year, you know, well, depending on what happens this year, but it, in the next couple of years, that they are going to have a very nice list. Where does Charlie Kernow fit in this if he can get himself back out on the field? He's going to suffer in the in the Carlton race. He'll be behind Cripps, but he does have the capacity to to break out of that. Well, he, he's he is exactly here. He's Jordan Degoe, in my view, and Darcy Moore, in my view. They're those young up and coming guys that are just they've just got so much talent. And the fact he's got going for him is he's, he's one. He's at a club that is screaming out for a coup to his type. Uh, who have got a huge supporter base. Uh, and on what he's done, at, it's spasmodically, admittedly, uh, yeah, he, he's got the marketability to be a, be a star of the game. How many players, Pickers, have got the capacity to earn 
like Ricky was saying, 50% of their on-fields, off-fields. Not many. Yeah. Is that is that inherent in the code, do you think? Is it the Australian market? Uh, it's it's a couple of things. It's Firstly, it is it is a bit... Australians nothing like we do at the sea in the States. Secondly, they are so heavily restricted to players with yep. AFL-protected sponsors, club-protected protected sponsors, that there is minimal things they can do. Yeah, you know, outside of getting very, very sort of um, what's the word? I guess uh, you've got to get, got to go. Sort of, I don't even know what the word I'm trying to get is, but you've got to go outside the square if you know what I'm trying to say. It's you've got to get a bit uh, funky on it if you like, because you're going to have to find an industry that that is not going to come up against a sponsor of the AFL or the club. Right. Do you think there's something in our culture as well where it's where it's team first? You know, we're, we're all about the team. We're not about the individual. Whereas the American 100%. sports, they market 100%. themselves completely different. It's almost, it's not selfish, but it's their interests come first before the team. Whereas Ion can sign 75 million with Nike before he's even played a game. Like, <laughs> it just, just... Would, ne- would never happen here. No, right. well, it's not. And also, they don't have the restrictions that the AFL yeah. boys do have. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you can't do a deal with a carbon mob. Where they where you, they can actually use the player because Toyota are a major sponsor, CUB are a major sponsor. Oh, I think they still are. Um, but look, some of those just go through them. The club Geelong have got their own car sponsor. Every club's got a car sponsor for a start. The so, clubs, so, the clubs sorry, are so just, restrictive too, aren't they? Picks like you, you can't. You very rarely you see a photo in the paper of a player without the team polo on, for example. And it's hard that, to get yeah. to know them as human beings. We're seeing it at the moment just by virtue of the situation we're in. The players at home, which has been great, and we're getting to know about them away from the game. It's very hard in the normal state of play to do that, to get that access. Yeah, well, you, you've got a bit of that and peer group pressure. <laughs> so, yeah, media strength doesn't help. Well, I mean, it has relaxed. It, it's nowhere near as uh, like it was where, you know, unless you were the best player in the team. Like the, the one bloke, in my view, that that doesn't care, as I see it, is, is Paddy Dangerfield. Danger will get out. He'll do a he'll give a chat on, on the day of the game. He'll do it. Mm. That's because Danger is that comfortable with who he is that he doesn't care. Like he just goes, oh, well, I'll put myself up to be caught a bit of a goose for doing this, but I'll do it. Like, mm. I, I think that's great, and I don't think there are a lot of players that that want to put themselves in that position. Uh, there are so many guys that I think have got so much marketability that at the moment are either restricted from a club perspective or a peer perspective. That if they let themselves go, uh, I reckon that the the fans would love them. And this is what we're seeing at the moment with the lock-ins, and we're seeing them with. Look, I didn't know that bloody Gary Rowan was a dancer. Look, I'm watching him. I'm watching him boot scooting, and I didn't know this bloke could do that. And I, you know, you, you learn that. Angus Brace, your cooks onions. Well, Jingo, I didn't know that. Do you really think you would have known that? If, yeah, I know these are just little things, but you, yep. you get what I'm saying. I, that all of a sudden we, we've got a, a scenario where we're seeing them a bit more being them. And I think, nice. it's, I think yeah. that's the, the one positive out of it is the players who, if you know them, you know they're like that, mm. but they don't want to put themselves out there. But now, you know, we had Johnny Longmire on the radio this morning and he was saying that the coaches got together and they, that's why he put that video out. And we are having a bit of fun with him about it, but he said, no, we just got together. We sent a group message out going, let's, just, let's give some stuff that we don't normally give. And I think that's fabulous. I agree. I agree. Um, calls to take, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. We'll do that in a moment's time. Plus, we'll revisit great moments of round three past. We'll reminisce. There's one iconic moment almost above all else. That's still to come on Crunch Time. 
Crunch time is for Identifiber, specialising in asbestos, mould, air quality and environmental services. Paul and St Leonard's text through on stage. I want Fife, Danger, Cripps, Grundy, Bont, Nick Nat, Jeremy Cameron, Sloan, Heaney, Zorko and Tom Mitchell. Remember, Chicken had 11 on stage, so Paul's taking his liberties on that <laughs> front. Shane is with us. Shane, welcome to Crunch Time. Morning, gents, and uh, a Massive thank you for some of the most uh, entertaining and sensible radio I've heard in the last month. That's very kind, Shane. Uh, boys, what do you think uh, when when the government um, opens up the uh, opens up the country again? And says okay, for the NRL and AFL, you can all go back to the footy and watch you support your teams. Do you think? Uh, that they might support the AFL in putting a little bit more money in their pockets and saying, look, because everyone's going to be doing it really, really tough in three months or two months, whenever it may be, um, that for the first month of footy, uh, you know, going to the footy will be free for a crowd? It's a really mm. good what question, I, I reckon, Shane, as to what might be there on the other side of it. So... I don't think the government's got the luxury of pumping a great deal of money into elite sport, given the extraordinary public policy that has been announced to keep the country afloat. So that's where that money is best directed. But I feel we're going to start in front of empty stands. Um, I reckon the Prime Minister warned us when these measures were put in place, they'd last for six months. So I reckon the first however long back will be in empty stands. But there is, there's a chance for the incredible goodwill gestures married against the imperative of getting the, the dollars spinning back into the game. That, that it'll be, that, that's a really interesting balance, Kane, when, if that moment comes. Yeah, it will be. I just, so we're targeting mid-August. Is that, I heard your comments, Jared. Uh, I think, Craig I think early August is, is... Early August? That, that's the... I think that's probably the most likely. But we will know more after Tuesday. If the government does follow okay. through and release the medical modelling, I think yep. then we'll have a better idea as to what the progress and the social transmission side of COVID-19 is. But mm. I, I would, my, I know there's another view that says they're aiming for mid-June. Is I doubt we'll see anything before August. And so when, the, when Scott Morrison says six months, he doesn't mean six months like we're living now. He so he is alluding to six months with some restrictions on our life, doesn't he? E.g. Mm. Uh, sport with no crowds. He's not saying we're all going to be uh, isolated for six months. Is that the way I'm, I'm already? Yeah, so ma- mass gatherings will be one of the last things to return. Yeah, so the restrictions will ease. So we haven't quite got to the maximum restriction yet, which I'm sure we'll get to. And then they'll ease progressively. And the, one of the last things to ease will be the mass gathering ban. Just just one off, off topic, just a quick one. When, when the crowds are allowed to come back and we're smacking games in five games a week, that sort of thing, what do you reckon the crowd numbers are going to be like? Yeah, huge. They're, they're going to look a Wednesday night Bulldogs and Kilda could be forty five thousand. What do you, and television numbers off the chart? And they're going to be off the chart. We know that. But do you think that's the sort of thing we'll get? You know, the old one. Oh, it's a school night. We're like, oh, bugger, that's kids. You've been at home. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go <laughs> footy on the night. <laughs> oh, you'd, it'd be massive, and you'd love to see just a festival of footy. However, the marketing gurus go to work, Jared, and just for that first set of games back, if they had the luxury, whether it be the government or the game or whoever, to make it a free entry, I think that would be an amazing comeback to the game, wouldn't it? 
I still think there'll be some um, concern from from people. So I don't think as soon as they announce you can come back, I still think there'll be some people at home, particularly those in the vulnerable situation above a certain age, will still be pretty conservative about attending mass gatherings. So I share a different view that the audience on TV will be massive. I don't think crowds will necessarily take off until probably next year when everyone gets their confidence back. All the Bondi beachgoers, Jared, they'll just get to the SCG on mass. <laughs> yeah. oh, didn't. Nothing's changed for those imbeciles. <laughs> Let me sneak in Tom from Seaford before we reminisce on round threes of years gone by. Tom, welcome. Oh, g'day, fellas. Thank you for the fantastic discussion uh, today. Uh, thoroughly enjoying it. Uh, I was going to talk about apparel, but um, I have mentioned this to Kane briefly the other day. But before that, I think somebody who might be taxiing up the the Club Ten runway could be Jaden Stevenson from Collingwood. Uh, <laughs> he's, he, I think he's on the uh, on the launching pad, but it may That's take so a good. while. Um, look, just about apparel. Um, I, I'm, given the, the terrible situation that has occurred, I'm not quite sure things can go back to business as usual for the clubs of getting a ton of acrylic products from China um, or anywhere else. I think the AFL needs to step in and maybe consider uh, homemade merino woolen products and a whole range of stuff. I think people at the crossroads are thinking we've got to get behind the country again. And AFL could take the lead on that. I think there's a real business opportunity. I know the products will be dearer and I know people's money will be tight, but I just don't think we can go back to past uh, habits. Um, This is a a problem that's going to confront the whole manufacturing world and not just yeah, it, not just Australia. And I just wanted your thoughts on, is there business opportunities for Australian-made products within the AFL in partnership? There'll definitely be, in the changed world, there'll definitely be manufacturing opportunities at home. And that, and when you consider the path of how most of that is shut down in Australia, is, is there capacity to, to restart, to think smarter to think differently i think that that will be one of the challenges for businesses how to pivot and pivot hard from here terrific thanks tom thanks for your thoughts as i reckon in there was a a statement as much as a question we're going to go back to yesteryear to a round three of yesteryear in a moment on crunch time it's a moment that lives in folklore and there was a, a young man there who by virtue of a hug became part of it number one you're listening to AFL Nation for the Macca's all-day menu. Available 24-7 and Liquorland. Click and collect in just 30 minutes. James Hearn, he's moving down towards this contest. If anybody's going to get it, it'll be James. McDougal heads for the boundary line. Maybe Murphy should have kicked. And so Drew Wilson became part of footy folklore in round three, 2004. He's with us on Crunch Time. Drew, it's great to have you on board. Yeah, good day there, boys. Thank you. What are your memories of that night? Um, First of all, I remember I wanted to attend a game because I was away camping, but then I decided to go as a member. And um, yeah, I guess it's going to be a long lasting memory now. I think... um, we were we were winning the game quite easily. Then West Coast came back um, and I got in front. And then yeah, heard had his magical last quarter and kicked that winning goal. And yeah, managed to get a hug. <laughs> do, I, do you recall being rather surprised by it all? 
Yeah, call, call me off guard. I mean, uh, I'm not one to jump up and celebrate, uh, but obviously this time I did. And um, as he kicked the ball, I sort of turned to the goals. Um, yeah, seeing it's gone through and turned around, and there he was right in front of me. Hey, Drew, it's a fair claim to fame. How has it lived on for you? Have you got it commemorated in some way, shape, or form? Uh, yes, yes. I um, For my 21st birthday, which is a while ago now, I uh, got a signed photo from uh, some mates. Uh, they got James uh, to sign it for me. And, yeah, that hangs uh, proudly up on the wall. Is he the best Very bomber nice. that you've seen? Heard? Oh, yeah, in my, yeah, in my time. Yeah, in my time. He was... Um, yeah, he was definitely my hero, so I've sort of um, been following the Bombers since, I guess, about early the early 90s was a young kid, and yeah, always looked up to up to James Hurd as uh, yeah, as the one you wanted to be like. How many times you watched that? Uh, how many times you watched that replay, <laughs> <laughs> Drew? Let's be honest, it's, it's on the payroll, uh, isn't it? It's just rolling. It's a rolling it's, screen. <laughs> it's a uh, yeah, it's a very regular regular watch. <laughs> Almost uh, reenacted a few times on a Saturday night with mates as well. Take us, take us inside the stadium, Drew, because I just quickly watched the highlights in the ad break then. He's had 34 touches and three goals, Hurdy, but he had 15 and two goals in the last quarter. He turned it on as very few could do, and he, he willed the club over the line, and it, he was about to be slugged $20,000 too by the AFL Commission for his uh, criticism of Scott McLaren, the former umpire. So there was a bit happening. Yeah, was, uh, I guess being to many, many exiting games, and you always... We relied on Hurdy so many times to get you over and get the get the win for you. So it was one of those things where coming into the last quarter, you're going, you need something special here. And um, yeah, once again, James had stood up and got us another win. It was uh, quite special to watch. Have you spoken to him since that that moment? No, we we, we never actually spoke. I think there was talk <laughs> back when it happened. We were going to catch up, but then I think a few of the you had, you had the Scott McLaren thing with the umpire and. Um, I think that sort of uh, put a halt to catching up and then, yeah, just it never eventuated. How long did it last as your Facebook profile photo? <laughs> it's, it still might be. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> so married, got kids, but really it's still hurdy, isn't it? Yeah, it's, he's the one true love. <laughs> Fantastic, Drew. Thanks for sharing a little bit with us uh, as we reminisce on round three of days gone by. It's uh, it's a brilliant thing to be part of footy folklore like that. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks, boys. Good on you. And that's evidence, Kane, that what happens in <laughs> footy it just ripples through the generations, doesn't it? Oh, uh, so many iconic moments like that, and it's, it's what you miss. Uh, I, I love the Michael O'Loughlin one with the Sydney fans. Oh, it was you know, funny. Yeah, footy, that... Footy's not the same without the fans. Like it's gonna, <laughs> it's gonna suck for a bit, isn't it? When we come back and there's no fans, it's just, just not the same. That Mickey O'Loughlin one oh, with, so good. with the with the plus size gent. Yes. <laughs> as funny as it gets. I'm sorry. Hey, let's look at his last quarter, guys. I mean, depending on what you're looking at, I'm looking at the actual um, champion data stuff. He had 16 yeah. disposals. Eight contested, five clearances, four inside fifties, five score involvements, and two goals. It's a reasonable last game. It's a reasonable <laughs> last, quarter. last quarter, isn't it? <laughs> Maybe that's one we can go back to as these weeks go on. Terrific. Good on you. Liam Pickering, fantastic. Kane Corn, super idea with Club 10. Sam Edmund will talk right throughout the week. Thanks for being part of Crunch Time today. Good on you, Cheers, guys. Good on you, guys. Enjoy your Saturday afternoon. The races do rather cool, don't they, at a time oh, like this? <laughs> That's been crunch time for what might have been round three. 
Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.